my personality is one that I don't like a lot of surprises. Funny thing, I'd be in ministry, huh? Um, but I do want to give you a heads up. At the end of this sermon, I'm going to encourage you, I'm not force you, I'm going to encourage you to do something. So just keep that in the back of your mind, uh, just as, as we go through. Um, after Hurricane Katrina destroyed the Mississippi Gulf Coast in 2005, it wasn't but a few months later that the local Catholic church in Bay St. Louis, in the town of Bay St. Louis, was rebuilt. Um, it was completely surrounded by ruins. I mean, it was such bad shape there in that town of Bay St. Louis that there weren't even any FEMA trailers that they could get in. It was just ruins. And right in the middle of the ruins, the diocese of the Gulf Coast there built a new church. There it stood. It was, it was, it was brand new. And the Catholic diocese um, wanted to rebuild it quickly in order to give a sense of hope to the residents. Your life might be in ruins, but the church is here. And what happened was is that it had actually had the opposite effect. The people saw the church as being selfish by taking care of themselves first. You know, here's this beautiful church, and here I am in this FEMA trailer. I've lost everything. Thanks for nothing. That was the unintended outcome of that, of that building project. The church had great intentions, but it didn't come across right. 2,600 years earlier, in a different time, different culture, a man named Ezra stood in the ruins of a previously great city, and he stared at a brand new, beautiful temple. The city was Jerusalem. And a generation earlier, God's people had been taken captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. The city was completely destroyed. When the new king of Persia came in and allowed some of the Jews to return to Jerusalem, they rebuilt the temple. Now, the city was still in ruins. The protective walls that surrounded the city from attack were knocked down. But the temple was there. And as Ezra looked at the temple, he realized that just having the temple rebuilt was not enough. See, the people had the building, they had the temple, but they didn't know God. Ezra was a priest. He was also a scribe. And as a scribe, he spent his whole life copying God's word. I mean, they didn't have a printing press back then, so every book had to be hand-copied. And since he copied the word of God so many times, he knew God's word better than most people. And because he knew what God's word said, he knew that the people in this ruined city weren't even close to living up to God's standards for their lives. I mean, when we think about it, as a priest, he should have been relieved. Well, at least we got the temple built. I mean, I'm thinking as a pastor, boy, at least we have the church. But if Ezra knew that that temple was just an empty shell because it wasn't being used for its purpose because the people didn't know God. 
So Ezra did the only thing that he knew to do in that day. He fell to his knees. And in grief and agony and guilt, he laid his face flat down in the rubble before God. And he cried out to God in one of the most moving emotional prayers that we have recorded in the whole Bible. And Jared read, read part of that prayer to us this morning. See, Ezra was ashamed at how his people had been unfaithful to God. And he cried out asking God to forgive them. See, centuries earlier, God had made a contract with the people. And it was basically something like this. People, you worship me. Let me be the only God in your life. And I'll take care of y'all. I don't know if he was from the South, but I'll take care of you. That's the deal. You worship me alone, I'll take care of you. That's our contract. Sounds pretty simple. Except when you agree to worship God alone and not to worship anything else, that also means that you don't put your trust in money or in politics or political treaties or armies or in anything else that the world has to offer. You don't put your trust in those things. And God's people couldn't do it. And the Babylonians sacked the city, destroyed it, took the people off. I'm going to tell you about a, about a guy that I knew. His name was Ben. It still is Ben. I haven't seen him in a few years. When I first met Ben, he was 24 years old. Good-looking guy, smart, outgoing, and just graduated from college. He had a good job. His, his future was promising. He was an eligible bachelor. I mean, just super guy. But Ben had a problem. And Ben's problem was that he didn't know God. He didn't want to know God. Instead, he, he was looking forward to experiencing all that the world had to offer. Now, you let your imaginations run wild, and that's what Ben was after. Let's put it this way. Let's just say Ben wasn't making the wisest personal decisions. Was that a politically correct way of saying it? Well, a friend of Ben's wanted him to meet with me. He thought, you know, maybe Mike can help straighten Ben out. I mean, I didn't know what I was going to do with Ben. Because this friend of his knew that Ben had been driving down the wrong road of life. Well, I met with Ben and prayed with him, and he said all the right things just to get me to leave him alone. And I didn't see him again for two years. Two years later, I'm sitting in my office at the church. And he walks in, and I did not recognize him. He was thin. His hair was matted. He looked like he was at least 45 years old. He had gained 20 years in two years. His body was worn out. His soul was exhausted. Ben had experienced all that the world had to offer. 
and more. And in two years, his life had become a ruin, just like the city of Jerusalem. Ben had nobody. He didn't know where to go. He was so ashamed he couldn't even go to his friend who wanted to help him. So he came to see me. His was a life in ruins. Now, it took a couple months, but Ben ended up giving his life to Jesus. And his life began to get back on track. To this day, he lives in debilitating back pain due to an auto accident. But to him, that back pain that he has all the time is a reminder of where his life was. And he says it's a reminder of what God had delivered him out of. Now, the pain doesn't stop him from enjoying life to the fullest. He owns his own business. He got married. He has a wonderful family. Leaders in their church. But what Ben discovered is that until we give our life to Jesus, our life is in ruin. See, without Jesus Christ in our lives, all we know how to do is to ruin ourselves. And we're really good at it. We're really good at messing up our own lives. On the outside, people might think we have it all together. We're good at doing that too. Hiding all that stuff. We may be involved in civic organizations. We might be respected by other people. People think we have a great life, but deep inside, we know the truth about ourselves. We're empty. We're shallow. And trying to keep that reputation that everybody will think that we're okay is wearing us out. See, the truth is that God does know the truth about you. You can't put on a good face and hide who we really are from God. He knows. And he still loves you. He still does. See, when God's people had destroyed themselves by not trusting in God, it seemed over for them. It seemed to them like it was done. We were one of the greatest nations on earth. Now our city and our temple are destroyed. We were hauled off to another country, and now a foreign nation that doesn't even know our God runs the place. Well, it was a good thing while it lasted, but now it's done. Yet Ezra, as he stood in the ruins of Jerusalem, knew that God was still at work in their lives. Listen to part of his prayer. It's in verse 8 if you have your Bibles. He prays, but now we've been given a brief moment of grace. For the Lord our God has allowed a few of us to survive as a remnant. He's given us security in this holy place. Our God has brightened our eyes and granted us some relief from our slavery. See, just when we think it's over for us, God shows us that he's still at work in our lives. When we've ruined our lives because of sin, God can rebuild us into the person that he created us to be. That's the beauty 
God doesn't want us to live a life in ruins. He wants to build us into that beautiful person that he created. I mean, all of us have stood in the ruins of our lives. Admit it, you have, I have. We've all needed God to rebuild our lives in one way or another. And if you don't think that's true, raise your hand if your name is Jesus Christ. Let me look. All right. If your name is not Jesus, then you've needed God to rebuild your life. See, the rebuilding of our lives may not come right away. And that's okay. It usually doesn't happen instantaneously. It can. God can do that in our lives. But it takes a while. It takes a long process. And we have to be patient. See, when, when, when we look at verse 9, we see that Ezra himself knew that there were at least three steps that God's people needed to go through in order to be rebuilt as a nation. First of all, God gave them new life to rebuild the temple. Then he gave them the energy to clean out the ruins of the city. Then he gave them victory in rebuilding the walls around the city. See, the same steps are in our lives as well. God rebuilds the temple of our hearts. God makes us a new person. He restores our soul when we give our lives to him. God rebuilds the ruins of our external lives and he cleans us up from the waste and the rubble of sin. And God rebuilds the walls of our hearts so that we're able to withstand the temptations of the world that want to invade and take over our lives. Where are you in this process? Where are you? Who do you worship in the temple of your heart? In the temple of your soul? Do you worship all that the world has to offer? Maybe you worship yourself by making yourself the center of your life. You're the most important thing in your life. If you think you are, then you're worshiping yourself. Because that is the temple in your heart. Now maybe you worship God in the temple of your heart. But your life still seems to be in ruins like the city of Jerusalem. Because how you live doesn't line up with what you say you believe. When we do that, it just produces a life of agony because we're fighting against ourselves. I believe this, but I want to live this way. I believe this, but I want to live this way. That's a life in ruins because we're shaking ourselves and we collapse under the pressure. Maybe, maybe you worship God in the temple of your heart. You're living how you're supposed to live. But the walls of your life are down. Temptation seems just too strong for you to control. And you find that you're being invaded by certain sins every day. 
Listen, wherever you find yourself, you're not alone. God loves you. He doesn't want to see you live in agony or in the suffering of your soul. God certainly doesn't want that for us. Wherever you find yourself, there's one thing you can do, and that's cry out to Jesus. See, it's only Jesus that in, it's only in Jesus that we can find refuge from the ruins of our lives. It's only in Jesus that we can withstand the temptations that bombard us every day. In this season of Lent, as we're working our way to Holy Week and Good Friday and Easter, we focus on the coming of Jesus into the world to take our sin, our ruin, upon himself. That's what Jesus does. He takes the ruins of our lives and he rebuilds us into his image. See, a life without Jesus is a life in chains. It's a life that's handcuffed to the world. Jesus came to shatter those chains once and for all in our lives. Do you know somebody whose life is in ruins? I bet you do. Someone who's made an absolute mess of their lives. I want you to know if you're thinking of somebody right now, God has placed them in your mind. He's placed them in your heart. Remember I told you at the start I'd I'd encourage you to do something? Here it is. When we sing our closing song, I invite you just to come down here and pray for that person. Pray that God will reveal himself to them. And this is the hard part. Maybe God will reveal himself to them through you. Maybe... I have to ask the question. Maybe that person that you know whose life is in ruins is you. Are you going to live in the rubble and ruin of your life? Or are you going to ask God to rebuild you? Listen, whether it's somebody that you know and love, or even if it's yourself, Don't hesitate coming down here to pray. God will be here with you. See, God was preparing us for this worship service long before we were ever thinking about this worship service. What are you going to do with this moment that God is giving us right now? Don't let this moment pass. Let's pray.